Hi everyone, welcome. Thank you for joining. This is Seeking Sustainability in Japan. And I'm so excited today to talk to entertainer, podcaster, super dynamic to Tiffany Rossdale. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much, JJ, for having me on your show. I've been I've been watching your shows and I'm really honored to be on your show. I think you are the first Tokyo entertainer and transgender podcaster to be on the show. So I'm really excited. I've been listening to your podcast all day. I've been listening to interviews with you all day. I love what you're doing. I love your positive energy. I'm really looking forward to talking to you more. Oh, I can I am so excited about this、um, conversation that we're having tonight. And、um, live, I, I haven't done a lot of live、um, uh, interviews, so this is going to be exciting for me. Yay! So, hopefully, we'll get some interesting comments and questions.、Uh, if you guys are watching us live now, feel free to write your comments and questions. We'll try to respond if we can.、Uh, let's start with a little bit of background about you, Tiffany. So, you、uh, grew up in the Philippines, but you came to Japan quite a few years ago, is that right? I've been here for a long time. <laughs> I've been here in Japan for、uh, 20, more than 25 years. And I, I am originally from the Philippines. I was born and raised in Manila. And I left Manila when I was about 18.、Um, and then when I came here, I never went back. <laughs> Yeah. So, you, you, have you found it?、Uh, like, I was listening to your podcast about November 20th, and that was a really powerful podcast.、Um, do you want to explain a little bit about that and about talking about safety? Because you were talking about safety in terms of being transgender and how you feel about safety and happiness. Right. Thank you for asking me this question. Yeah, November 20th is the International Transgender Day of Remembrance. And this particular day, it has been like、um, set aside as a day to remember and commemorate the people who have been、um, lost to anti transgender violence. And this is the first time I celebrated Transgender Day of Remembrance、um, by commemorating on my podcast one of Uh, one of my very good friends who passed away many, many years ago. She's also Filipina transgender and she was living also here in Tokyo. And for, for many reasons, like we didn't know what exactly how she passed away. So it was quite tragic for me and for her family, for everyone in the community, although it was really not talked about. So I thought having this. Commemoration、uh, during the special day of、uh, remembrance for the transgender day is,、um, I think, it's really important to talk about. So, by having that on、um, my sorry, by having that on my、um, podcast, talk about and have more awareness, I think, is so important. So, I made a special、um, episode about the transgender day of remembrance. And that was so interesting to me to realize that you actually only recently started getting more involved with the LGBTQ plus community. Right? LGBTQ, yes, like yes, for, yes. for a long time, you were working in entertainment, you were transgender yourself, but only recently have you started kind of becoming an advocate or an activist. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Because、um, I. When I did my full transition、um, many years ago, I, I basically、um, have my different persona of being a. Because I thought, like, having the full on surgery, completely a woman, and feeling like a woman, I thought, like, why not have that persona of being a real woman and, you know, not, not be able to. I mean, not, not to. To talk about my real gender identity. So、um, I did doing that, and、um, I was doing that for many years、uh, because I've had many、um, 
I have several um, situations that happened to me that when I was when I when I was visiting the states, I came to I I had this a, a few incidents that happened to me that led me to think about I really should protect my, I really should have that um, um, security of um, I sh- shouldn't tell my gender identity because it will cost me it will put me in trouble basically that's why i thought being my gender i shouldn't talk about it to anyone i should kept it to myself and maybe to people that knows that i mean my family my 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 really 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 close friends and and other people shouldn't know about it and also the fact that being a model in tokyo i thought i'm not going to have a lot of jobs if i will have the I mean, if I'm open and if I'm gonna be, you know, vocal about my gender identity, so I was really, I was really, there was a lot of fear, and um, yeah, I think that's that. Th- those are the main reasons. That's absolutely something that I think a lot of cis people like like me would just take it for granted. I mean, as a woman, mm-hmm. we're always mm-hmm. thinking about safety issues. And that's one of the things I love about living in Japan. That's some one of the things I love about raising kids in Japan is it's so much safer. But it's it's something that transgender people uh, struggle with feeling safe and accepted and are people going to find out and you know it it shouldn't be like that and so I, I found that podcast really really powerful and anybody who's interested uh, definitely check out Breakfast with Tiffany show I love your your title as well thank you and uh, you have recently started a really great YouTube channel as well I, yes, I really did. enjoy it. You've only started just a month ago, right? Yes, that was that was just a month ago. And I never really wanted to focus on doing many contents all at the same time because I think, and you know that, JJ, because it's going to consume us a lot of um, our energy. We have to focus on, you know, so many things. So I thought focusing on my podcast first. So last year I was really focused on my po- podcast for one year really really just giving giving a relatable contents for my community and also sharing knowledge about health and wellness plus being a life coach i want to share my experiences in life and last year also most of my friends that i know is also influential they're all in youtube and i thought like, it's going to be so competitive if i'm going to be there so i set that aside and i focus on my podcast and then this year it finally happened that there were a, a few people that reached out to me that wanted to collaborate on YouTube. And again, it's all about timing. I think timing is everything. So it all came at the right time. And then the guests that I interviewed, they were so interested and they were like, also a good friend of mine. It's like Sheila, you probably saw Sheila interview and also Gao Chang. They're amazing people. And I think sharing a very, um, um, I think in, in YouTube is, is so important to share not just stories, but also visuals that like people can ent- people can you know can enjoy while watching it. Definitely, and I want to talk about your talk with Sheila because I've I've interviewed Sheila in my show, oh, you and did. <laughs> I know that she is such an amazing kimono stylist that she amazing. knows how to mix and match beautiful kimono. And when you interviewed Sheila, you were both wearing absolutely gorgeous kimono in the kind of unusual style. You've got this stylish hat with a leopard print on. Uh, Sheila in very typical fashion is mix and matching different colors. And, you know, and she was talking about with your interview, um, you are such a great interviewer, by the way, Tiffany. I really enjoy listening to your interviews. You're doing a great job. Um, but you were able to get out from her, not only about a personal story about someone in her life that she really cares about who's transgender and and how she reacted as a parent, which is really important, but also about her perception of kimono and culture and feeling connected to Japan after so many years. That was really powerful. Oh, yes. Um, Sheila is such an, a, 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 a very, very amazing 
woman and I've j- just had an an, uh, uh, an incredible opportunity to have met her um uh la- this year I think it was this year when I met her got connected with her and got to know more about her and then I found out that she actually lives a couple of stations from where I move out this year um because I used to live in sh- in, in the central area of Tokyo but now I live here in 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 um nearby where where Sheila lives too and we we met we talked and we just i and i just thought that her stories are really powerful and especially um her um one of her uh child one of her child who is also a member of the community lgbt community and also i met that child and 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 it was just like you know like the um the connection and all these stories like we can both resonate and 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 it all just came that oh we should definitely talk about this on the podcast too if you're interested and she was just like so open about it and the kimonos that we wore that we i was wearing too and she was wearing like she dressed me up she styled me up and she's she's an amazing um her knowledge of kimono not just kimono but J- japan in general like what you said is is very um is so much to so much in it that she knows that i really learned a lot from that um episode that we did on YouTube which I'm going to release also on my podcast. It's awesome. And I was very happy to hear Sheila talking about sustainability and kimono on your interview as well. Um that was great to hear. She's just full of so much information. I want to have her back and talk more. I could talk to her every day and still I be know. learning yeah. something. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I love when you're going through her closets and opening up all the drawers and all the different beautiful kimonos that she has collected over the years too, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the privilege But, of having that, that having that access to, you know, because we film it in her house. So I just told her like, if if it's okay to you to like show your closet, and she's like, of course. And then like, yeah, <laughs> I just have a ghost. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Um, but her advice to other parents, I thought, was really important, um, and it's something that you probably deal with a lot as a life coach, right? You're you're open to working with people in the community who need some guidance on their transition or or anything. You can help them with their life, but also supporting the family members in knowing what to say how to be receptive and i found that really powerful what she was talking about that she said she would never advise other parents to say it's just a phase like it's something she said and then she regretted it and she felt really bad right yes exactly um i think uh what she shared that is really important for the community because that's so important for us and i i mean for me i've been really open book since last year and t- telling everybody a lot of from the lgbtq community they still don't want to share everything and it's all because of their safety and not just their safety also they really care about um the people around them like their friends their careers and um not having that um um how do you say not having that um they might they might lost someone because they came out is really such a big thing for for us and i i've been there i've been to that in that situation so many times that i think it's really important to understand that that and also once we're ready once the the people in, in the lgbt community are ready to come out and share you the stories know that it means that they really trust you so it's really really important to not share if you know someone that they're lgbt or you know yeah to to let them say it right exactly. to let them come yeah. out mm-hmm. um in the series uh i think it was last year beginning of this year i talked to a wonderful person uh named sage 
and he uh, runs a cafe and he really wanted to make a safe place where transgender and LGBTQ people could come and get information and meet each other and just know that that was a safe place. And it was such a nice conversation. And he shared with us some of his vegan recipes as well. And we had a really great conversation. And I think it reminded me of a lot of the information that you're doing. You're trying to share information, mm -hmm. but you're also entertaining like by talking about the entertainment industry, talking about other things about Japan, uh, in your coaching, you're also talking about fitness and wellness, right? Like having these conversations, which uh, bring the community in and normalize the real experience is, is really an important part of it, right? So important. Thank you for uh, saying that, JJ, because I believe that, um, it is also it is really important to talk, to talk about the LGBTQ, uh, um, our, my community. But um, if I am going to go deep, deep, like you know, like very, it's gonna be like probably for other people. So um, it's gonna be a heavy topic, and I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be like a normal conversation. Everyone can relate, and everyone can be a part of. And and I think having having conversation here and there and not just always talking about lgbtq can also um, make things more um how do you say light in you know like not like thinking about like because people when think when they think about like lgbtq they think that oh it's going to be a deep topic and you know like a lot of debates and all that i don't want to be like that i want to be more like more accepting to each and everyone at, at the end of the day we're all like the same community and we all should be in one community Definitely. And it's it's all about uh, we know you're here. We we know you exist. So what do you do? You know, I'm I'm more interested in the next topic, right? Like you had a great conversation on your YouTube channel with Maria uh, Gauchan. It was mm -hmm. so wonderful. I love that conversation. And you're talking about her. Is it Scottish, Filipino? Yeah, she's uh, from Japanese. Scottish and Italy. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, like so many multicultural influences in her life and mm -hmm. the communication between you because both of you have worked in the entertainment industry. Both of you have had similar mentors who have given you advice in Japan in the entertainment industry. There were so many interesting points in those conversations. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for watching it. And Gao is has been an amazing uh role model for the for the enter and you know, like being being a foreigner and being on TV or in, in this in the entertainment industry, it's not really easy for us to be on 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 you know on the main uh how do you say like being being there and being seen with so many people and being so popular. And she made it true. That's why I want to share her stories and how she really um overcome all these like struggles from because she's not hundred she's not even Japanese at all but she was she grew up here in Japan that's why she can speak uh Japanese as well but her origin is Filipino and Scottish so having her grew up here and learning all the culture in Japan really and she applied it within her and that's that's how she made it to be on the um, entertainment industry. So I think her stories are really important for other people to share because I there's so many people that, especially foreigners that wants to be uh, break in the um, Japanese entertainment, but it's not easy. So sharing her stories, I think a lot of people can resonate with. Definitely. I would love to hear how you broke into the entertainment industry in Japan. Um, be before that, I just want to mention that years ago, I with the book that really influenced me, and I, I love this book. Have you heard of Kitchen by Banana Yoshimoto? Now, no, it's a really famous book, and it was published in 1987. So mm. when I graduated high school, which I, I'm a bit older than maybe many in the audience, but in this book, it's such a famous story. And in the book, the girl uh, needs a home. She kind of loses her family. 
And her friend offers for her to go and stay with him and his mother. And his mother is the most beautiful woman she has ever seen. And it turns out she's transgender and she works oh. at a nightclub in Tokyo. And this is, this is in 1987, a hugely popular book that everybody was reading. And so it, it, remembering this, I wanted to ask you, have you found kind of more acceptance of being transgender in Japan versus Philippines or America, or is it about the same? That is such a great question, JJ. And thank you for that recommendation of the book, by the way. I would love to read that book. So when I came here, it was actually during that time. It was late. Oh, no, no. It was actually late 90s when I came, when I arrived here in Japan. So that book might have been a, a little earlier in that story. So um, for me, I think living in Japan and working in the entertainment industry as a showgirl, um, I think we are more accepted here in a way that they that Japanese people respect. Because that respect, I wouldn't probably have gotten it when when if I'm going to if I'm going to stay in the Philippines and work in the Philippines. In America, I'm not sure, but in in Japan, I think peop, uh, Japanese people are more respectful and, um, and more understandable. That's why I think if we have these conversations about LGBTQ more, Japanese will, it's not going to take time for them to fully accept the community. It's just, it's, it, it's not been talked about. So what happened was like ever since like 80s and 90s and 2000s, um, they know that that these places exist, like the showgirl, the trans, uh, trans where, where transgender people work, but they it's not really talk about because it's, it's it's more of like um underground scenes. They know it's they know it, it exists, but it's not like you know like. And everyone can talk about it. So that's why I really think it's it's so important to talk about it more than they will think that, oh, it's acceptable. It should be in a society. It should be, you know, it should be talk about more than, you know. And everyone every and every time they go to places, because I've been working for many years as a showgirl and and being a hostess too. Every time they go to these places, they all had fun, and and that's what we give. We gave entertainment, and they had so much fun, and and they will never forget it, and they will come back again. And then they would they would tell us stories like, oh, we wanted. I've I've heard I've heard stories that they would say like, oh, we 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 saved money, and then we came back just to support you, and then we'll give you this tip. So it's really you know it's really for me the experience living in Japan as um in an entertainment industry. I think it really it really teach me so much. Because I I don't I don't think I would be able to have that career in the Philippines if I'm in if if I was in the Philippines. That's so interesting, isn't it? And I I love your stories of I want to learn more about your stories of the working in the entertainment industry because that's such a unique perspective that I think a lot of international people living in Japan we we don't really know what mm. that is like. Now, on, on the one hand, you and Gao-chan were talking about um, how polite the entertainment industry is in Japan. And she sometimes works internationally and she's like, it just doesn't work in other countries. Like mm -hmm. she said, uh, in Japan, you apologize and say thank you a lot. Right? So many times. And it's yeah. normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you do that abroad, it's it's weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Like it's there's so much diff differences between the Japanese culture, especially in the Philippines, which is so opposite because in the Philippines, it's, um, we are really cultured about Ameri American culture. So we really love Amer American culture. And we never thought about Japanese culture. So everything, when I came here, when I when I learned all this Japanese culture, everything was a shock to me. I was, it was, uh, you know, it was really shocking for me to know all this culture. But at the same time, I love it. That's why I incorporated it in my daily life. 
That's awesome. Uh, let's give a shout out to some of the other recent interviews that you've done. You did a great talk on Tokyo Talks with <laughs> Nick. Um, that was really interesting. A lot about your backstory and you're so honest and he was asking, I don't, he didn't, you know, mean to hurt your feelings or ask anything rude, but he was so genuinely interested in learning more about you and, and how you did your transition. That must have been hard conversation, though, right? <laughs> no, but I, with with Nick's um uh, podcast, it was really um because before we started it, like he already asked, he he already told me that um how 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 okay are you to talk about everything? He's he's so nice to um let me know that in the beginning, and I just told him I'm an open book, so I'm okay with everything. Whatever you want to talk about is fine. And and then he said, like, I'm really gonna talk to you like deep, deep. And I'm like, that's okay. So, you know, and uh with I think his audience, a lot of his audience are male, I believe. That's why I think it's important to be there and be seen and be and have these conversations because um um a lot of our um the situations that happen for trans women is there's so much of um um for men like like acceptance and um i've had although i've had rough i mean like really um scary situations that happened to me in the past i think in order for that to not happen again is to have these conversations and um and and I mean, like just like sharing the experiences I've had in the past, I think um, they will learn more about the how how you know how we feel or how we really um, how how we can be a part of the community. And and I think there's so much to talk about between male and and trans women that I I you know like is there's there's just so much there that you know. Um, that I think I, I need to um, do more in order for to have that awareness to in order to have not that um, the um, not to ha experience other other trans women because I think a lot of trans women women and especially in America and South America get killed by men um, so I think it's really important to have to raise our voices and and share these experiences to you know to have that awareness. Yeah. Definitely. I think a lot of violence around the world happens because of ignorance against people True. of a different race or people of color are attacked just because people are ignorant that they are different than them. And, you know, they don't hurt like them or and I think there's that misconception also of of trans people. And it's it's a choice or you're tricking me. People, people might get upset because they feel like you've tricked them. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you talk about with, with the conversation with Nick, one of the, the things that really hit me was you were in love with someone and yeah. it was really <laughs> difficult to know when to tell them, right? When, when to make it clear, even mm. though you don't have to, there's no mm. reason that you have to, but you wanted to do it in terms of being honest, right? I uh, I think that was one of one of the relationships I've had in my life that really woke me up to that it completely changed me. So um, that relationship was my dream relationship, and I thought that um, being vulnerable and and if I'm going to be honest. I think uh, at the end of the day, that um, they, they will understand me. I mean, they, that person will understand me more. And if it's real love, they will definitely understand me even better. But it, it, it totally, it, it didn't came out the way that I was expecting. So that was a big shock for me. That um, at the same time, it woke me up to my core. That I thought I need to do something that I that I probably need to, I mean, like during that time I was thinking what's wrong with me? Like I was being vulnerable, I was being honest and I want this relationship to happen, but it didn't work out. And 
that person left me. But at the end of, uh, and realizing after, it really meant to happen because that helped me um, uh, change. That, that was the start of my transition of quitting alcohol and being healthier and learning a lot about, that's where my uh, life coaching started. Um, I started learning life coaching because I needed it for myself. I never thought I, I should learn life coaching because I needed to give it to somebody. I, I, I thought I need to learn life coach because I needed it for myself. And that's how it all started. I spent time in Bali for a month, like going to retreats. And I this I I finally I finally figure I, I mean like I realized that so much of my childhood traumas and experiences when I was um, a child that happened to me that I needed to heal and the healing process began and I I thought that if I didn't met him I wouldn't probably change I would probably be the same person as I was before but it's because of him I completely transform and I I transition so so for me it was it was really um um even though like that wasn't really um that relation didn't work but for me it worked in a different way that it it opened up a different world or I I mean my my the self love and my he, the healing process that I need to heal and all that like happened after that relationship. So I was thankful that I met him instead of um I never I I would never think that he left me because he found out about me. I now really I am now really grateful that I have met him. It's because of him that I have I, I made it into transform and became the person I am today. That's a beautiful way to think about loss and and hurt and use it to your advantage and learn from it and grow from it. And that that just that's such a beautiful story. Um, let's talk about your coaching because you were also talking to Nick about the coaching. And I'm showing your website right here. So you, you offer online coaching. Uh, you started podcasting as well during coronavirus um, because we're stuck at home. So how has the the coaching been and what is your coaching philosophy? So um, thank you for sharing that, JJ. So I started my coaching. I realized that I I think, I mean, like the realization all came when when it when the when the COVID happened last year, because my my former job was doing a lot of events. I was working as a PR and marketing for um, a company that I was helping out and uh, and also promoting for inbound tourism, and as well as um, doing concert service for um, elite travelers who are coming here in Japan. And all that is related to COVID and all stopped and. And I was thinking, what should I do? What should I do? What I can? What can I do during during COVID? And it all came out to me that the 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 things that I've learned in coaching that I can actually give it to people who needs it to because it completely changed my life for the better. And I thought if I can share it to my um, community, the LGBT community, they would also serve. Um, uh, surpass that struggles or um, situations that happening in their lives because I can definitely resonate to their um, the situations that's happening in their lives, right? So I thought, but in Japan, I thought like I needed to be certified. So last year, I took a I, I took the test and I uh, for several months, and then I I got the certification for life coaching. Um, to have that um, um, at least like, you know, to show Japanese, because Japanese, they love, you know, certification and you have to be certified. And that's how I did it. But, um, and then I started doing uh, retreats and retreats also is another thing that I didn't see here in Japan. I thought, why not have a retreat where, where we can focus on wellness and, um, 
fitness and the foods that we eat and also incorporate my coaching um, about life in general and and that's my um that's how i, I think I've done, yes <laughs> Denscape, thank you thank you for saying that uh, i think i did it twice already and i'm hoping to do that more but it's still it's still not easy to do um it's still not easy to do during covid because you have to gather people so it's quite challenging but hopefully next year i'll be able to do the zenscape wellness retreat more and um my focus is to really help my community the lgbtq for to have that wellness to have that balanced lifestyle and um because it's really tough and it's really tough for us um and I've been there. I've been there. I know how it felt. I know how to be in their situations too. So I can really understand what they're going through. So I can sh I can share that to them, and I can have this, you know, like like incorporate this um, wellness and being healthy and being happy, being just balanced in general. So that's the concept of my coaching and my retreats that I started doing last year and. And to gain more awareness is by doing my podcast. So that's like my weekly podcast where I share not just the L stories about the LGBTQ community, but also um, the health and wellness and 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 yeah, anything related to that too. Yeah, it looks amazing, and uh, what a great idea! And you be uh, maybe because of your connections with the entertainment industry. But you have so many wonderful collaborations, like your opening music of your videos is this beautiful Koto playing music. Um, you have in your podcast, who is it that's doing the announcing? It's fabulous. <laughs> announcing Tiffany Rosdale. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you, you're definitely right, JJ, because I am so blessed to have like amazing connections in Tokyo from the entertainment industry. So I will just like reach out to them like, hey, you, you want to collaborate? And, you know, I've had this amazing um voice actor, which is also my sensei for my acting. I told him like, I need I need an ad lib for my podcast and he was he was willing to do it for me so yeah he was an amazing in doing that and also that caught on me caught the music from my um from my uh promo videos and also all the people that i collaborate and my team i i think i'm just like so blessed to have this uh connections and um being in touch with them and also you know like sharing 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 contents teach i mean like you know being creative it's a part of me and I love doing it. Awesome. Any Anybody who loves Audrey Hepburn has got to watch <laughs> your Breakfast with Tiffany show promo video. Do you have a collaborator who's a filmmaker? I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I already had the idea of doing the, um, the same kind of um, mimicking the uh, Audrey Hepburn's Breakfast at Tiffany uh, movie where she came out from that cab and going to Tiffany's store and having, you know, have, having that breakfast <laughs> while, while, while watching, you know, the window in the Tiffany store. So when I talked to my filmmaker collaborator, I gave him all my ideas and he was just like, let's definitely do it because I think that's amazing. So, and then I've also had another... Um, uh, kind of like he's kind of like an advisor. Oh yes, that one. <laughs> and it just you know it's funny because it's all it all came at the same time, and with collaborating with these people because I've never some of them I've never been in touch in a while, and when I told them about like I wanted to do this you know like content on YouTube and they all just came in the right timing and and that's the that's the result of that amazing video promo of the breakfast with definition <laughs> it is it is so good and you're you're putting your true actress skills to the <laughs> test here um but if you watch the original audrey Hepburn one and you watch yours it is so closely matched good job really well done i love thank it you, thank you so much yeah we kind of like also do like you know let's make it really all like you know like 60s style <laughs> Yeah, it was great. It was perfect. A perfect match.
<laughs> Thank you. Fabulous. Um, so you're a, a fan of Audrey Hepburn, I could imagine. Who is not a fan of Audrey Hepburn? She's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so good. Uh, let's go back to some of the other interviews that you've done. You did a great interview with the Enjoy uh, Diversity Rocks Innovation with Jackie Steele. And I learned a lot from that interview as well about um, about your past and uh, officially you still have not changed your gender. So sometimes uh, you'll have to give your passport and it's it's your old self. Is that right? It's it's must be very confusing sometimes for you. Yes, it is. <laughs> Um, I really wanted to change my gender, I, my gender um, mark on my passport because I've had uh, a couple of times a situation in the airport, um, going to the U.S., um, stopping by the immigration, asking me so many questions because my gender mark was, of course, is male. And even though my photo is the same as me, they would still ask so many questions. And and luckily after a while, because I've been, I've, I've been going to the States a lot. So I guess they probably have that, you know, like record already. So they, after a while, they, they, they would not really like interview me anymore. But during the beginning of my travelings in the US, it happens, so, it happens quite a lot that they would stop me and they would ask me so many questions. And it's quite embarrassing to, because there's so many people, you know, like there's so many people lining up you know, in the immigration and all of a sudden like they put you in a different room and then, you know, and sometimes they would check all your bags, what's in your bag and, you know, like, like, and also my phones and all that, like, who are you contacting here and all that. So it was quite, um, um, it was quite really, um, not, not really good when I was traveling during, during my, my, my first few travels in the States. And, in other countries, I didn't have any problems, but I think if I have that um, solve, and the only way I can solve it is if I'm if I become a Japanese citizen, because in the Philippines we don't we still don't have that. Um, even though we we transition, we we complete the sur the surgery, or whatever, we still don't have the um, law that we can change it into female so there's no way in the philippines i can do that so i have to give up my if i'm going to change my passport and my, my gender mark then i have to be japanese citizen i have to have japanese passport and i have to get rid of my filipino passport and and i still don't want to do it because i don't want to lose my i love my country the philippines and i don't want to lose that in me so um although i'm in a process now to change it but yeah I sometimes I think like, should I really do it or not? So I'm still in that position. I was reading an article by Human Watch uh, Network uh, talking about um, the problems, even in Japan, it's wonderful that you can change your gender officially, even for Japanese people. But there are a lot of people arguing that uh, if you don't get the surgery, you can't. Like there are some very strict rules even in Japan, to get that permission to change gender. Um, so it's still, it still creates a lot of prejudice towards people who don't get the surgery or don't do something that's in their five rules. Um, but, but for you, you, you have probably qualified for the five rules, but having to give up your own country's passport, that's a, that's a huge decision, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. That's really why I'm, I'm still not, you know, I could have done it like five years ago or 10 years ago, because I know that I can. And, and um, they told me that living in Japan, if you're in Japan for 10 years already, you, you are, you are also, you're, you're qualified to apply for a Japanese citizen citizenship. So, I already knew it, but that's stopping me because, you know, it's it's quite a big deal. Like, it's my own country. I love my country. 
I understand that. Um, let's uh, talk about your other entertainment work. So you you have been in big events in Tokyo for a long time. Uh, <laughs> recently, we were on the same event for Few Japan uh, mm -hmm. for Empowering Women Japan. And uh, you uh, have been a DJ for a long time. You paid some great tunes uh, before that event. But some of the bigger Tokyo events, like is it fashionistas that you were Tokyo a DJ yeah. for? Yeah. What What was it like being a part of that DJ scene? Did you enjoy that? Oh, I love it. <laughs> so the uh, the Tokyo Fashionista is I found I I started uh, doing the Tokyo Fashionista events more than ten years ago, and the concept of that event is to have a network of, I mean, uh, gather all this. Um, uh, people, I mean, Japanese people and expat community come all together and then have fun and, you know, enjoy. So I also incorporated, I also put in the fashion shows, um, the DJs, the the musics, like, you know, like singers and, you know, the dancers and all about entertainment because I am an entertainer. I know, I know if I'm going to put a good entertainment, people will love it. So Everyone loved it, and everyone loved Tokyo Fashionista, and such a um, a fun uh, community of people coming in. And um, although back during that, when I was hosting uh, Tokyo Fashionista, I didn't really um, uh, inc included. I should have included like LGBT community, but I wasn't I, I, I wasn't out yet during that time, so I didn't focus on on LGBT community, but. Yeah, that was that was really fun of, of having um, connecting all this um, expat community and also people from around the world, even people just like coming in and visiting town and they get to to come to the parties and they really enjoyed it. And I love playing music. I love playing um, 80s and, you know, like all this um, uh good uh, vibes from the 90s and 80s those are my favorite <laughs> era of music so i love when i dj i play a lot of that type of music and um yeah like uh with the few i am also um had the opportunity to, to dj in the beginning for their uh for the one of their bonding kind events which led me to become one of the um board of directors this year at uh on f fe on, on Fee japan that's wonderful. And it's it's fabulous to have diversity even amongst the women in few Japan, right? Like it's and, and that's the that's the whole concept of diversity and inclusion is once you start lifting up any marginalized group, it lifts up everybody. It helps everybody um, in terms of discrimination or acceptance, right? Yes, yes. And um, even if I advocate more for my community, the LGBT community, I still definitely support the women empowerment. And I think we need to have our communities together to bind us a whole and to stop all this discriminations and harassment that is still happening around the world. And we can and with that, I think we can achieve gender equality, diversity, and inclusion. And also the most important thing is to have safe spaces for everyone. Definitely. Uh, so important. And so important to have a, a wider net in our community, right? To include not just this small group of people, but we're trying to include everybody and lift everybody up. I love that. Um, I was looking at your, is it Instagram and a, a little bit about your acting and modeling and you were doing a lot of hard fitness. How often <laughs> do you work out? You look so beautiful and fit. Fitness must be a big part of your, your day to day, right? Thank you for asking that JJ. Yes. I think one of the most important things that I've learned to be healthy to be healthier is to have my own time in the morning just for me for myself so my morning is mine I would never get, I will never do anything in the morning besides doing things that I have to do for myself and that's 
my morning ritual is everything. I think morning having a morning ritual is so important. So my morning goes like having my meditation, having my journal, having my yoga practice, or I would go out for a run. And then after I complete all that, then I would start doing my day. Because I, I, I believe that if if I have that time and give my myself th- that time in the morning, I'll be more productive. I'll be more, I, I can do more um, and help others and do many things and you know I can be more active and more more productive in general so I believe that having that um, morning me time for myself is the most important thing that I I need to I mean I mean not I need to do I I love doing too so yes yeah and having that routine where this is something you do for yourself every morning, right? At set time every day and you keep it up and you feel better because you do it. You can have more productive day, right? It's awesome. Now, part of your fitness recently, which I listened to your podcast is plogging. You want to tell us about plogging? Yes, thank you for asking that. Yes, plugging. I I don't think a lot of people know about plugging, but this plugging is started. Um, plugging means a combination of jogging while you pick up litters. So it started in Sweden, and the 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 guy who 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 started doing it is named Eric Eric Alstrom, and I didn't knew about this. So. I, I love jogging. I love running outside. And one of the places that I always go jog in is, you know how beautiful the rivers by the, by the, by the, um, there's so many rivers in Tokyo, right? Like I would go out and jog around the rivers and I would always see some litters, like, you know, the cigarette butts around and, and knowing that, the the rivers are so beautiful and there's so many um there's so many koi the fishes and also the ducks in the rivers and how clean the river is and then you see those litters small litters i i mean in japan there's not many litters because it's so it's so clean but when you notice the, those cigarette um filters or cigarette butts uh, like around i felt like why people not like why people just leave it here there's a there's a chance that it can go to the river and those uh those poor animals might eat it or might might consume it so i realized that maybe one day i should just probably pick up stuff so i brought some plastics with me and i would whenever i go run i would pick the those those uh some i mean like litters around the river and then doing that for quite a while i was i was I don't know how it happened, but I just came in in on the net with the word plugging, and I'm like, why? This is a word for for what I'm doing, and then that's how I I realized that there's there's this um, been happening around the world, um, especially in Sweden, uh, that they they have this movement of plugging, and I was just like, oh wow, that's amazing. I don't think we have it in Japan yet, but if there's a way, because I I already reached out to to the to the one who started it, Eric Alstrom, and he he was really so nice, and he 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 replied to me well. And I think if there's a way I can collaborate with him with you know with doing this in Japan, I would definitely want to do it because imagine like you're also besides um you're helping the um helping clean the environment, and you're also being fit. I mean like jogging and picking up litters is isn't that an amazing idea to do well you were talking in the (laughs) podcast you actually you're burning more calories you're you're using up more energy you're bending down you're using more muscles you know like it's it's better fitness uh you're helping clean up the waterways get the plastic or cigarette butts out of there um, I love it. Uh, we in Hiroshima, we do a cleanup once a month along mm-hmm. the rivers. We find so much stuff. Um, but there's a group from Patagonia 
you know, that great ethical company, yes. Patagonia, mm -hmm. and they go out every month and they do plugging. So I oh, know yeah. that there are groups that do it in Japan. It's a great idea. Fitness and environmentalism together. Exactly. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it too. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, we just have about five more minutes, Tiffany. Is there anything mm -hmm. we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Is there like a message to people who might be interested in your coaching, maybe? Oh, thank you so much for this, um, uh, JJ. Um, first of all, I would like to say thank you again so much for giving me this amazing opportunity to be a guest on your show. I'm a big fan of your show, and I love watching all this. I, I'm, I'm, I love, I love... If, if there's a way we can save our planet, I will definitely do it too. And and I, I believe that's what you're doing. You're doing your work in order for us to have a a healthy environment. And I, I really, really applaud you for the work that you do. So I am definitely going to support support you whenever you need anything. Just let me know. And um, with my coaching, if you're interested, um, you can reach out to uh, www.tiffanyrosdale.com. Um, message me. I also have my retreats. If you're in Japan, I also host retreat. I will host retreat. I promise next year more than that I did because I only did one one time this year. And uh, hopefully, like the COVID will not gonna be you know like we're we're gonna be okay next year. So then I'll be able to host a lot of retreats. And um, if you are on YouTube, watch my show Breakfast with Tiffany show. And also my podcast, I do it every week. And again, thank you so much for this amazing, amazing opportunity, JJ. I really appreciate it. Of course, it's wonderful to have you on the show. And it's when we're talking about sustainability in, in my book, you cannot separate the needs of people and the needs of the planet. And so talking to you and talking about inclusion and diversity and accepting all people, even if it's someone who's very different from you, that's so important in terms of having a planet in the future and having a place I want to live in the future, right? So I really appreciate what you're doing. And I get so much energy from you and your podcasts and your talk shows. So please keep up with the good work and uh, know that you have many fans as well. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, so everybody have a look at uh, Tiffany Rosdale. You are also on Instagram. You have a really big following on Instagram and a very different name. What is it? Tokyo Hari? <laughs> that was my DJ name before. I used it a lot when I was DJing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to, to put it together. Um, do you ever do DJing? I guess this year there's not many events, but I hope to come to a club and listen to Tokyo Hari sometime. <laughs> I, I wish, I, I, I'm really hoping that, you know, um, with next year we can do even just like small events. I, I would definitely love to play a DJ on any, I mean, the few events that we're going to host next year. Hopefully, you know, in person, not like, you know, not like, well, I mean, like it's fun to do online too, because, you know, seeing people like you, you're in Hiroshima. So we get to connect, right? But it's, it's, I think it's also will be nice if we can do at least once a year to meet each other. You coming from Hiroshima will be great too. That would be great. Mm. And I would love to invite you down to Hiroshima. Let's would do a big to. wellness, wellness, fitness, and DJ event at the same weekend somewhere in beautiful nature somewhere. I would love that. I would love that. I would love that too, JJ. Let's definitely work it out next year. Let's do it. Uh, as long as, you know, COVID restrictions are a little bit eased, things, it's a bit safer to travel. Mm -hmm. um, that was also really interesting. You've worked with travelers, right? You were talking about working in the tourism industry as well. You've I, done I, so many different jobs. <laughs> yes, I used to. I used to be working with um, the Airbnb. They hired me to be one of the first ones to host for the um, for the Airbnb experiences. 
uh, they hired me to be the nightlife expert for the the first year. So I was working with, I had that experience. And also after that, I did on my own and I focused on elite travelers. Like a lot of them are VIPs and CEOs. And I love doing it. I love showing them, you know, like an amazing time here in Japan because I know Japan. I've just, you know, I live here and I, I just, I'm just blessed to have the, you know, the opportunity to live here and have all this access and all this people that I get connected with. Like now I have a connection from Hiroshima. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I would love to see maybe you add that as we see tourism come back next year mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to add that to the LGBTQ community. Like, so people mm-hmm. know that you are a Tokyo guide and, you know, there's that connection too. I think that'd mm-hmm. be awesome. This week. So wonderful to talk to you, Tiffany. Have a great night. Have a great night too. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone.